hot for preacher. This week on the Story Song Podcast. everybody, welcome back to the Story Song Podcast. I'm Dan McInerney. I'm Rachel Oaks. And I'm Michael Gazelle. Every episode on this show, we walk you through the wonderful world of a story song. And this week, mm. we're talking about the sequel Preach. to the horror movie Preacher Man. <laughs> Son of a Preacher Man. Mm, mm. Uh, no, we're talking about the Dusty Springfield classic Son of a Preacher Man. Mm-hmm. I yeah. listened to it just before we started recording and... I just was like, you feel like you just sinking into a warm bath, oh, don't you? Gosh. Just so good, just so everything good. about it, it's great, and um, a great story, a great song. Uh, Rachel, mm-hmm. if you could quickly walk us through the story of this story song. Sure, uh, it's pretty straightforward. Two church-going youths steal away mm-hmm. when the parents get together, and mm-hmm. somewhere they find love. Yep. Yeah. That's a word for it. Yep. They're definitely That's right. they're doing some stuff that uh, maybe the church would not approve of. That's I'm right. Gonna, I'm gonna say that they're they're exploring the backyard. Let's say is what you're implying. That's not specifically stated in the song. I think they're just they're just talking. Mm-hmm. That's right. They're. Talking. I mean, Michael. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm just. They're two kids in love. They're talking yeah. about. And, I'm sure. You know that usually leads to to something. That's all I'm saying. Oh, it definitely leads of, to something. There's a lot of hormones <laughs> flowing, you know? I'll say this. You don't mention that it's a preacher's son if you're just talking. Let's just say this. They go as far as 1968 will. <laughs> I think that's, you know, it's not, this is not exactly a, a Nicki Minaj song, but I think, I think, I think it's pretty clear <laughs> what yeah. they're getting at. Dusty Springfield's voice also lends itself to a certain uh, tone of the song, I'd say. She's sort of she's sort of the vocal equivalent of like a little wink. You know what I yes. mean? Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. You know, I'm not saying it, but you know what I'm talking about, yeah. right? Billy Ray was a preacher's son And when his daddy would visit, he'd come along When they gather around and started talking that's when Billy would take me walking Out through the backyard we go walking Then he look into my eyes Lord knows to my surprise The only one who could ever reach me Was the son of a preacher man The only boy who could ever teach me Was the son of a preacher man Yes he was, he was Yes he was We got Billy Ray was a preacher's son Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bam. Mm. I'm a simple man. Mm. When I have a story song, give me, just give me what I want. If you have it <laughs> called Son of a Preacher Man, you know what I mean? It's like when I'm, when I'm at a movie and they say the title, I'm like, Dad, they said it. They said the title <laughs> of the movie. That's the name of That's this the show. That's the movie we're at. Um, he just said today will be our Independence Day, and this movie's called Independence Day. He just said it. That's the name <laughs> of the movie. They just said there's Gremlins 2. <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing. I'm so sick of all these Star Wars. So <laughs> I wonder who framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Billy Ray was the preacher's son. 
and when his daddy would visit, he'd come along. This is a thing that seems to happen in old movies and and mm-hmm. stories and such. Maybe there's a maybe there's some reason for it that I'm not aware of, but like the preacher would just come around. He just makes house you know calls. What I mean? It's like yeah, it's like oh, it's Sunday, it's Sunday night. Uh, the priest is coming over. We're gonna have dinner ready. What? Why? Why yeah. is he coming over? Yeah. This this is a thing. I mean, maybe this still happens somewhere in the world, but this is a phenomenon I'm not familiar with. But it was just like he was just like show up. I mean, it's like he freeloading. Well, that's <laughs> like, my, is that yeah. just how? He, <laughs> that's my question. Are they? Are they buddies with the preacher, which is fine, or is he making a right. house call? He's like, listen, but a house call to do to do what? He's saying, well, I'll tell you what. He's like, you can't step mm-hmm. foot out of this house until you are saved. Like, you better. I can't even let you into the neighborhood. But he's not talking to Dusty. No, I'm. He's I, no. He doesn't know what's happening with Dusty. Dusty's parents okay. are. I mean, he's like, you. You listen. You need saving at this moment. Also, so, her but, her mom makes great chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> but wait, who needs saving? The parents. Saving? The parents Dust? need saving. Oh, the parents need saving. Oh yeah. I thought you talking about. I thought you about Dusty because, you know. No, he's like, take a hike, kid. Well, what I was gonna say was the parents are like, well, it's the it's the preacher's son. I mean, she's safe with him, right? Yeah, nothing, it's fine. Nothing that we would not approve of is going to happen. Yeah, certainly the... not. Not oh. not over there in that shady spot yeah. underneath the tree. Certainly nothing. <laughs> He's the nothing untoward will happen son. with the preacher's son. What is he exactly. going to do? Want to rebel against his father? Come on. What could possibly <laughs> I happen? I mean, that's never happened before. <laughs> so what are the chances the first time uh, that a rebellious uh, teenager son would come along would be uh, at this exact moment? Yeah. Um, Guys, it's the 60s. It's fine. Nothing's right. happening. Oh, no, Everything is wholesome in the 60s. It's the 60s. Right. Um, Love is tamped down. Yes. It is not free to move around. Love is very That's constrained. Right. That's we know right. exactly where love is at any given moment. <laughs> it has no it has no free movement. Yeah. Yeah. Is it is we we're keeping close tabs on love here mm-hmm. in the late sixties. Everything's fine. We don't have to worry about yeah. it. So basically but basically I think what happens is Billy Ray, first of all, if you're gonna have a preacher's son name, A, it's gotta be two names. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You're not going to have, like, this is my son, Bob. No. You're going to have a Billy Ray. You're going to have a... A, a Jim Bob. A I mean, Jim this Bob, is the South. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. So I do think he's like, you know, it's like the bat signal goes out for the preacher, and he's like, we, oh, we got to get over to the Springfields, because they need saving immediately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and Billy Ray is like his Robin. So, but that's sort of my question, too. Like, do the parents need, do they need spiritual help? Or they're just like, Come on over. Let's just like let's just talk about Leviticus for a couple hours. Like, let's just chat. Let's just let's just let's just chat about whatever. Maybe it's you know Bible what study. I mean? I don't know. This is what I don't understand. When the preacher would come over, I don't know what he was doing when he got there. That's I don't understand. That part's never explained. It's just there's always a lot of concern about the preacher is coming and he's going to stay for dinner. Have a nice cup of tea. And mm-hmm. just talk about revelations, just like a light kind of <laughs> sure. Sunday morning. No, I think I think what you were saying before, Dan, is I think he just shows up. I get the impression that there's there's like the the preacher in it's a small town. The preacher in a small town just like comes to visit. Right. And right, right. it seems like one of those small towns where like everyone knows each other anyway. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, of course. So I think the preacher just like sort of 
stops by and like, you know, just stops by and says, you know, nice day we're having. Um, yeah. And like, if you think back to when we did Ode to Billy Joe, you know, that, uh, that nice young preacher, Brother Taylor, dropped by today. Uh-huh. So That's I think true. it's just sort of a thing that kind of happened. His, yeah, he's just checking on his flock, right. I guess. I think it's just small town life. I think people would just yeah. stop by. Um, mm. <laughs> gee, let's, uh, let's get three jaded city dwellers to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what I don't understand is, why would anyone ever go over anyone else's house and talk to anyone ever? So I don't get it. You mean to tell me? Unannounced, this guy is coming over and they're opening up the door? Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. There's no way. Mm-hmm. Preacher, give me a phone call at least. But you're not popping by. We're not doing pop bys here. You're supposed to watch your neighbors through your people and silently judge them. And yeah. that is the only interaction you were allowed to have. With That's them. right. Yeah, I think I think he stops by everybody's house and everybody has fresh apple pie. Oh yeah. Or like a fresh plate of cookies. At all times, just in case the preacher stops by or in case anybody stops by. He has coleslaw yeah. at one house, and then he has like yeah. a chicken leg at another house. Then he has this guy pie hasn't at cooked in house. decades. He, oh, he just no. <laughs> he's the preacher. He's not cooking nothing. His whole family's being taken care of by the town. Well, that's the thing. The yeah. town is basically a buffet. Yeah. Comes with his own Tupperware. That's why Billy Ray is there. <laughs> he's got a lot of pockets. Guys, you can call me Reese Witherspoon in a 90s romantic comedy, because I think country living is for me. I think, I, I think I'm learning. I got to leave the city. Can I interest you in some soup? I had soup at the last house. Do you have salad? Right. Because I'm having my main course at the next house. He's just eating. So uh, here, we just got corn. We just got a side of corn for you. He's just, he's just, each, each course, he's just yeah, eating as he goes along. That's right. Um. So when they gathered round and started talking, that's when Billy would take me walking. Out through the backyard, we go walking. Then he'd look into my eyes. Lord knows, to my surprise. Hello. So the only one who could ever reach me was this hundred preacher man. Go ahead, Michael. So I think this this <laughs> this always sort of strikes me as like a very video game kind of situation where like <laughs> okay <laughs> okay excited to see where this is going well they're like everybody else is sort of they what does she say when they gathered around and started talking like they're sort of talking yeah. to each other so they're instantly distracted and can't see anything so they're like sure. sort of sneaking out to the backyard but they're not real it's like they can't possibly see us because they're in a conversation <laughs> So if we duck, they won't see it. Just walk through this tall grass. Oh, my God. You know what's so funny? I know exactly what you're talking about. Or it's oh, like totally. in a video game when they start t- they start a conversation with you, and then you walk away, and they're still talking to you. And you're they're like, well, you're not listening at all. Yeah. You're not listening at all. So yeah. it's fine. Michael hears this verse. He hears the amazing Dusty Springfield sing this verse, and he goes, this sounds like a stealth mission. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Incredible. Let's go to the backyard. Yep. What if they see us? I don't know. Throw a brick or something. That'll keep them busy for a couple of minutes. <laughs> uh, you better crouch. You better crouch. You're going to be quieter <laughs> if you crouch. <laughs> we'll take the tall grass. Then no one will see us. Yeah. Listen to the music. Is the music getting louder? That means I can, they're going to see you. 
the best part is like in the Spider-Man game, like the bad guys will like find some of your Spider-Man web and be like, I think Spider-Man's here. And then like 30 seconds later, we'll completely forget about oh, it. It's the and best. I'm like, we'll stop looking for you. <laughs> and you're like, you be, yeah. but obviously Spider-Man's here. Who else would have web? You could, yeah. <laughs> Clearly he's going to beat you up, guys. I, keep I, looking for, I'm Spider-Man. <laughs> and even I'm like, keep looking for Spider-Man. I wish, I wish that worked in real life because there is definitely in a video, there's that video game logic of they'll be going full tilt. They'll see you and they'll be like, get him. And then you sneak around a, 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 like a hallway or something and for a couple of seconds it's really rough and then five seconds later they're just like anyway bob let's go back over here it's <laughs> what we're done what are we gonna turn the corner that's crazy talk you I'm hide behind that garbage can and they forget that you exist <laughs> yes. um yeah yeah my favorite part in in something like that is in spider-man for instance lots of video games but um you know spider-man kills like 10 of the henchmen and like one of them will walk past and be like, okay, you know, like just doesn't <laughs> right, notice. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> your colleague is dead. He's dead. I cannot emphasize that much. Someone has died. There's a pile of bodies. There's a pile of bodies and you don't care. One of two things happens the henchman does not notice the other dead henchman or has a real severe reaction to it where like all of a sudden the dead henchman has a name and like a backstory where. <laughs> Like a new henchman will run and be like, Kevin! Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, Spider-Man oh, got God. Kevin. He was two weeks from oh, retirement, man. you guys. It's like, well, I, I, I wasn't expecting any of that. <laughs> now, now I feel bad for the henchman that I caught in that web. <laughs> oh, God. He was only doing this because his daughter has leukemia. Oh, well, now I feel, now I just feel awful. Oh, I God, feel I'm terrible about this. I'm the worst. Wow. Kevin, we just uh, found out we were brothers. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, God. Kevin. Kevin. I didn't know Kevin. Oh, my gosh. Kevin, what are all... <laughs> Kevin, what are all those homeless dogs going to do that you take care of? <laughs> Just because he was a henchman didn't mean he was a bad guy. He had outside interests. He had outside interests. Yeah. Kevin, I've got two tickets to Hamilton. I was going to ask you. I'll say this about Kevin. If we had universal health care, Kevin wouldn't have been a henchman. A he only Thank did it you. for the benefits. He fell into that job. Yeah. That's his thing. His passion is beekeeping. Oh, no, I just realized all those bees are going to die. Damn it. <laughs> oh, Sorry, Kevin. what were we talking about? <laughs> so, I was the, just saying the that, are, that they stealthily yeah, they off. Listen, sneak yes. away. All the, all the adults Thank are you. talking, and yes, they don't, they don't notice. I mean, we don't know how big this backyard is. They may go somewhere where they can't be seen. But it's they a big backyard. Are, but they think they're fine. The, the parents, they're talking about they're God or whatever. And Corinthians. Let's say. The, yeah. And the letter, Paul sent a letter to who cares. And um, so they go out walking in the backyard and they're like, they're not, they don't even think about them. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, great. Billy Ray's going to take Dusty for a walk. Great. Don't, we, don't, we don't have to worry about what she's up to. Um, I don't think there's a thought in anyone's mind mm -hmm. that anything is happening, even if it's the most sort of chase they're falling in love sort of thing that's happening. I don't think they're I don't think they're giving them a second thought. No. They're not thinking about the kids, quote unquote, at all. So they're still thinking that they're like little kids are gonna go off and play. Yeah. Um so out of the backyard we go walking. Then he'd look into my eyes. Now I love the Lord knows, because we've already mm -hmm. been talking about the preacher man and everything. So that little Lord knows to my surprise. The only one who could ever reach me 
was the son of a preacher man. The only boy who could ever teach me was the son of a preacher man. So I think even Dusty's like, it's pretty insane how the boy that I fell in love with yeah. and who maybe taught me a thing or two about a thing or two, if you know what I mean, right. was the son of a preacher man. Mm-hmm. Even I am surprised that, that <laughs> that's yeah. the way it went down. <laughs> Yeah, I think, yeah, he, she is, I I don't think that I, what do I say? Um, I think that Dusty is a lovely young lady, right? Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, country living at this point is different. And so I think that she is, she, you know, she's had a kiss or two. Sure. But she looks at Billy Ray. But uh, nobody's Billy Ray. But nobody. Well, what I'm saying is nobody's Billy Ray. And she, again, like you said, to her surprise, was like, whoa, okay, Billy Ray. How, yeah, yeah. Where, she's your got a, she's your had father's a the preacher. How did you know how to do yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> right. Because she's, you know, even, even Dusty is sort of imagining the cliche of the preacher's son being like a real Rod Flanders, right? Yeah. Like a real square. <laughs> Following in, following in his father's footsteps, but yeah. not, not Billy Ray. And I Billy think, Ray's got a whole other thing going yeah, on. Yeah, and I was gonna say, Dusty's had some kisses from boys. Right. Billy Ray's a man. Oh yeah. Billy oh, Ray's yeah. a man, and he's and this is a whole different, this is a whole different ball game. If I can mix metaphors real quick. I mean, please don't. But it's too late okay. now. <laughs> um, the thing I do like as well is mm-hmm. the use of the only one who could ever reach me, the only boy who could ever teach me. Because yeah. in a way, it reflects a preacher. A preacher is supposed to reach his congregation and reach his flock. And he's supposed to teach. A preacher is also a teacher, right? Yeah, you yeah. have Bible study. You have, you, you're supposed to be, you know, you're teaching the, the word of the Lord. And so I think that um, using that in the chorus is really, is really interesting. Because you're talking about, you know, you're not talking about religion. Right. I mean, maybe. Well, you are. I mean, I was gonna say. <laughs> to be fair, I think Dusty maybe a couple of times says "Oh Lord," but I think it might be in a different context. That's <laughs> that's the only thing. So I think he he got there just <laughs> through a different, just a different path. This episode's steamy. <laughs> Aside from all the video game talk. <laughs> Being good isn't always easy, no matter how hard I try. When he started sweet talking to me. You come and tell me everything is alright You kiss and tell me everything is alright Can I get away again tonight? The only one who could ever reach me Was the son of a preacher man So being good isn't always easy I do have a question for you, Dusty Now I don't want to take this the wrong way How hard are you trying? That's what I'm asking (laughs) You're saying that about how hard you try But how hard are you really trying to be good here? Hmm? 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 (laughs) (laughs) Eh? (laughs) Eh? What do we think? How are you trying? <laughs> trying hard or hardly trying? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I think, Dan, to your point, the basically what this song is about is just Dusty being like, oh, this is surprising. It's yeah. it's like the being good isn't always easy. It's it's the surprise of the preacher's son being the reason that it's not easy right. to be good. Right. Um, yeah. So, so this song could alternately be titled, "Oh, well, this is a surprise." <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Huh, I wasn't this expecting not, this. 
it's not how I thought this would go. Right. This is almost the, ex- this is almost the exact opposite of what I thought was going to happen. Yeah. Here. So basically, mm-hmm. I, the way I see it is every time that he came over or, you know, he and his, his father came over, um, she'd say, that's it. You know, we're not going to do anything. This is ridiculous. We're just. Yeah. He's his dad is going to preach and have like, you know, a packet of mayonnaise because that's what he gets to our house. And then um I don't know how it's like he's trick-or-treating. <laughs> he's like going and ass then, to ass. Uh and oh, we're just man. gonna and we're just gonna go in the backyard and we're going to like go on the swings because <laughs> they're right in view and that's it. Mm-hmm. But then he starts sweet talking. And that's it. She's like, I the, okay. I tried real hard, but this is, I'm, I'm not gonna be good. This is no way. There's no way. Yeah, I definitely think it's like I'm putting up a fight. There's no way I forget it. I give up. I've yeah. already. Well, it's already over. The other thing about that last line, can I get away again tonight? So in the beginning, he's with his father. He comes in the beginning. Weird way to start my preaching, but no. In the first verse, the Lord said, <laughs> "Let there be light." The Lord said, Billy Ray, take over. Um, <laughs> Billy Ray, can you take Dusty out for a walk while I finish creating the rest of the earth real quick? Um, now, you guys don't do anything because I had two other. Well, let me just say, I had another another guy, another gal here who caused a whole bunch of trouble. So I don't want you two making the same mistake. Stay away from that tree. That's all yeah, I'm saying. Billy Ray right, and Dusty, I feel like I know you guys. Billy Ray, I can trust you. You get out. Yeah, you kids get out. Everything's going to be Nothing fine. Nothing will happen. It's fine. fine. It's fine. Did anybody see that snake? Um, so, <laughs> but that last line uh, in in the first verse, they say, you know, he's with his father and they go off together after yep. they start speaking. Has the relationship progressed to a point where now they're sneaking away from each other? They're sneaking away at other times. Or is this only happening when the preacher comes by? She's sneaking out at night. Yeah. Can yeah, you that's get away my, that's again my question. Tonight. And here's the great here's we always talk about the economy of a story song, right? You don't have a lot of time. The awesome thing about this line is one word. Again. Yep. Yes. Can you get away not for the first time? He's not asking because you sneak out. She's asking out, can you get away again tonight? So this has already happened. Yeah. Probably multiple times. Yeah, and right. I think that's what this verse is about. Right. This is now. This is now the tenth visit or whatever, or the twentieth yeah. visit. Yeah, because yeah. I, I think the first verse is when it starts with, um, whenever is, whenever the preacher would visit, he'd be with him, and that's sort of okay. when it all started. Um, the second verse, uh, she says uh, he'd come and tell me everything was all right. Like so, he's going to visit. Alone, like he he yeah. he's like standing outside her window or something. Yeah, uh, or do you think that maybe he sees her in? I'm guessing they're like in high school, in school, and sort of like you know they they see each other there, and he's whispering in her ear as the classes change, or you know, does he see her in town? That kind of thing. Because it's weird. It would be it would be weird to like go to her house. I would hope that he was, like you said, Michael, hopefully, I, I'm guessing this is like a ranch style house, one floor. Um, but uh, I would like to think that if this is the case, he's not just knocking on the parents' door. <laughs> she comes to the door and he's like, everything's all right. Everything's all right. He's yeah. kissing her. <laughs> he says, can I get away again tonight? And the parents are just like, did your dad come with you this time? That'd be, 
Are you? It's real weird that you're here at midnight. <laughs> okay. Well, bring this one Hershey's kiss to your father. Mm. We promised it to him. <laughs> um, no, he goes. Just... He goes to her and he says, "You know, um, try not to get worried. Try not to turn on to problems that upset you. Oh, don't you know everything's all right? <laughs> everything's fine." <laughs> I was gonna say the parents oh, well are done, like Michael. Billy Ray. Thank you. Billy Ray, what are you doing here without your dad? Hey, by the way, tell your dad I got a lot of thoughts about Deuteronomy next time he comes by. <laughs> got a lot of things I want to say about it. That's right. Um, no, I think she's definitely sneaking out and meeting him by the old tree or yeah. or, or something. Yeah, I think um, the whole point of this verse is that their relationship is progressing beyond um, the times that the preacher comes to visit. Right. Absolutely. Michael, their passions are inflamed. They can't be away from each other. <laughs> no matter how hard they try. True. When he started sweet talking to her, what is 1960s sweet talk? Mm. Is it like sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows kind of situation? I was like, ooh, girl, you got a beehive that just (laughs) (laughs) The only one who could ever reach me was the son of a preacher man. The only boy who could ever teach me was the son of a preacher man. Yes, he was. He was. And then she throws in a Lord knows. He was. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was. Because uh, everybody knows it, including the Lord. Even the Lord's, he's not missing what's going on here Yeah, with these two. We were talking about the use of the word reach. I think there's, there could be a double meaning there. Um, like, yes, on, a, on, a, on an intellectual level, yes, he was able to reach her in a way that no one else had. But mm-hmm. in a probably protective 1960s household, he physically mm-hmm. could get to her, um, right? Oh, because oh. her parents, because he he was there he's with the preacher, the preacher and yeah, her parents he's the boy. trusted him. Right. It's wow. Billy Ray. That's a good point, Michael. That's a good point too. So basically, <laughs> yeah, they were in love, but also, eh, he was there. <laughs> eh, well, I mean, what are you gonna do? He's the one, I, the one I could get to. Based on based on her choice of one person, uh-huh. uh, he he is uh, the only person for her. Now, here's what I love. Learning from each other is knowing. So he knows some stuff. She knows some stuff. And then chocolate, peanut butter, and it's all getting <laughs> smushed together in a yeah. it's a delicious, sexy peanut butter cup. Oh, <laughs> they're getting their learnings all over each other. I think we just got ourselves a sponsorship. <laughs> yeah, well, I hope so. <laughs> Can I say, you didn't say the last line, Daniel. Sorry. You were too wrapped up in your peanut butter and chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Looking to see how much we've grown and the only one who can reach me is the center feature. Right. So let me tell you something real quick that really, I have a couple of things about this, this, uh, I guess it's the bridge growing up and up until I'd say mm, five years ago, I thought the line was. I know exactly what you're going to say. But Stealing kisses from me on the slide. Slide. On the slide. Yep. <laughs> so here's the issue with that. 
And that's why when you said, when you said they're just hanging out on the swing set, I was like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Because they would steal kisses on the slide. Yeah. (laughs) So in my head, this all takes place on like, on like a jungle gym or like a playground (laughs) or a swing set. Now, I will say this. They're teenagers, right? They're teenagers. Let's just say they're teenagers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're teenagers. They're definitely. teenagers. So it was really tough. They might be. They might be slightly older teenagers. Yeah. Teenagers. When I was younger, it was tough for me to really wrap my head around what was going on, um, because they're on the slide. Uh, so I thought <laughs> I thought it was like a, like an ew, pull her pull her pigtails, eh, get away from me, that type of thing. Uh, so it they're was, at a water park. It was real jarring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The guy at the top whistles and says, hey, no stealing kisses on the slide. It's dangerous. <laughs> you stop running with that tube. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No running. No stealing kisses on the slide. You can only steal kisses in the wave pool. Yeah, it says it on the sign right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so- no Band-Aids. Hey. <laughs> no Band-Aids. <laughs> I'm talking to you. No, no street shoes. No street shoes either. No stealing kisses and no street shoes. Um. So it so it changes everything saying stealing kisses from me on the slide on the sly versus slide, because first of all, you stealing kisses on the slide. You're higher up on the sly. You're mm-hmm. you, you're you're sneaking away. So it makes sure, more but sense. you could steal kisses on the sly on the slide. You sure. Could. What if it was you one know. of those um, uh, covered slides, those newfangled covered slides? You know, that's a covered slide like the tube slide. You're talking about a house. No, the tube slides. Oh. Yeah. That seems that seems unlikely. He's <laughs> talking about a house. Man, is your house on an angle so much so that you assume it's a slide with a roof? Oh, like it's like, this is a crazy sideways house. <laughs> Thanksgiving like dinner's a, a real issue. Because <laughs> like I live in a tube, like everyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I live in a tube full of white liquid. And then I plug into the matrix, right? Doesn't everybody <laughs> do that? Am I, am I the only person? So, so now that we're past my understanding of what the heck that word was, which I, I'm not going to lie to you. I know he, people hear words in songs like differently or like the w- weird mm-hmm. w- wrong words in songs. But you've known me for a long time and you can be honest. Do I hear the wrong lyrics more than most people? I mean... Sly and sly, that is it. That that is, an, yeah. you know, it's no, not like because, it's wildly yeah. wrong. Okay, I will say two it makes things. Sense. One, I originally also thought that it was slide, and now, even though now that I know it is sly, I always picture this song <laughs> on a slide. Yes, one hundred percent. Or on like swing sets. So matter. when you said it's swing great. set before, of course, when you said swing set before, it made a hundred percent sense to me because, like, yeah, obviously they're on. Like, I picture this them sitting on swings. Yeah. Having a conversation. Right. Um, do you hear lyrics wrong more than most people? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Michael. I appreciate your honesty. No problem. Now that we got that out of the way, there's so much in this in this verse slash bridge, what do you want to call it? Including this one, this first line, how well I remember. The look that was memory. in his eyes. So now this is very much a memory. Yeah. And it's not happening anymore. So they're not no. it feels like they're not together. This is she's nah, nah, remembering nah. this passion of her of her youth and This was this was one very important instructive summer. 
but it is it is long it is long mm. over now. But this was this was a key couple of months in her life, her and Billy Ray. Church camp? Um <laughs> uh, well, it's interesting because you say it's it's one summer, which is interesting to me that 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 is. I guess that could work because then that last line, looking to see how much we've grown, it leads me to believe that they've known each other for a very long time, and that mm, maybe okay. I also I also, along with them just do just doing all of this on a slide and uh, and like <laughs> a McDonald's play. <laughs> Play place. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I also thought <laughs> he, he he kissed me on Constable Big Mac. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Grimace was like, uh, I don't think you guys should be doing that. <laughs> Settle down, Grimace. And then, then Bertie was like, No, please continue. <laughs> Bertie's. So, I'll be over. I'll Bertie's be. So I'll be creepy. over here. Yeah. I'll be over here in the apple pie tree watching. <laughs> Anyway, um, <laughs> and the Hamburglar was just preaching because he's a, he's gone off his rocker. Dude doesn't know what to do. He's just preaching now. Well, the Hamburglar, he found religion in prison after he got arrested <laughs> for stealing hamburgers. So I always pictured, aside from that, I also pictured it that this is the type of thing where maybe... I don't know. This doesn't work now that I'm reading through it. doesn't really work. But maybe it's the type okay. of thing where... Every summer they saw each other for a short period of time. Oh, okay. And so this is something that continued a, a number of years that started <laughs> off <laughs> as like maybe a little innocent, like first kiss thing with the preacher there, not there, but you know, with the preacher's son when he goes to visit with his, with his father. And then maybe the next summer, you know, it gets more, it gets more and more intense as the years go by. Okay. I like that. I never thought of it as as happening over a period of like summer after summer, like like I think To Kill a Mockingbird does that. I don't think it was like a year would go by and then they would see each other again. I always got the impression that they had known each other since like childhood. Like they grew sure. up together and then there was a moment of you know, they fell in love. Right. Like at one point he was like, you know, uh, a gawky, you know, preteen or whatever, and she mm-hmm. was, you know, and he was pulling her pigtails or whatever, and then one day they saw each other again, and they were like, hello, look yeah. how yeah. much, looking to see how much we've grown. Yeah. Uh, okay. Right. He's like, I'm I'm drinking milk. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so there's, there's just a lot of stuff. This is a full, it's a full story. It's a full coming-of-age story. Yeah. Now, we don't know, though, I mean, it, it is clear that she's looking back, but we don't know that they're not still together. They could have stayed together. I just you're, feel like her saying optimist. how well, yeah. I mean, look, I'm not, this doesn't, this doesn't mean it has to be like a, uh, you know, some horrible breakup. I mean, right. this was a passionate summer and, you know, she learned a lot that she took with her for the rest of her life. And, you know, you never forget your first love, but. You know, they 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 grew apart. I mean, he right. probably had to go to the seminary or whatever. Yeah. Um. So I, mean, I don't know. Is that how it works? I don't think so. I have no idea. For preachers, I but, don't think. I don't know. Uh, I guess that's true. Uh. But you know, like the and, next verse and, is, uh, "I never should have married this guy." <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
But yeah, but yeah I agree. She, I agree with that. I think her looking back and remembering. Yeah. I mean, because I think, she, you know, I think it would be worded a little different if she was remembering the guy that she's currently with. That's yeah. true. This, was, yeah. this is a, again, this okay. is a summer fling maybe or, or some period of time. It's a moment um, in time. But she's looking back on it very fondly. There's also almost something more romantic about it being someone that, that she's not currently with, whether mm-hmm. it's like a lost love or even if it didn't end well, that it's like they had this one moment. Yeah, I mean, it could also be, I mean, it's it's like not to be, I don't know, anti-love, but also it's just, it doesn't have to be that they were in love, you know? It's that this was uh, an awakening for her and this, that's what she's looking back on is... I would, you know, the word I would use is passionate. Yes. I don't know if the word I would use is love. I mean, maybe they, you know. Yeah, it could. Uh, or, or that idea of feelings yeah. for each other. I'm just saying. Or it's it was that, probably, that you know. or that's, it's that even her like looking back could think like that is what my, in my foolish youth, I thought was love, but it's not really right. love, you know. Right. You mm-hmm. know, she, I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, you know. You know what I'm talking about. She's not a Gail Garnett. Um, she's not like a I will never love you kind no, of person. No, no, no. But she's, you know, looking back on it, thinking it was something that it that it might not have been. Yeah, exactly. Then she says, and that is what I did on my summer vacation. And the teacher's like, I need you to see me after class. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you, Dusty. Very graphic. Okay, who's next? <laughs> <laughs> Every other kid is like, I am not following that. <laughs> um, mine's about how I went fishing with my dad. <laughs> um, I got my tonsils out and had a lot of ice cream. <laughs> so, I'm just gonna throw it out there. One of the best fade outs. Oh, yeah. in modern music history. Because uh, she says, the only one who could ever reach me was the son of a preacher man. The only boy who could ever teach me was the son of a preacher man. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Oh, yes, he was. And then it goes into that he was the sweet-talking son of a preacher mm. man. I kiss me, the son of a preacher man. The sweet-loving son of a preacher man. And then it goes on from there. Yeah. And it sort of fades out. And it's her with the backup singers and the music. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's incredible. Like, as soon as this song's over, I was like, I, why am I not listening to Son of a Preacher Man again? I gotta put yeah. this song back out again. This song's amazing. I don't know if it's Kiss Me, the Son of a Preacher it's Man, perfect. or Kissing the Son of a Preacher Man, but either way works. Either way. Yeah, it totally works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's one of those, so. like, internet lyric things where you're like, I kissed me, the Son of a Preacher Man? Well, I mean, because also I wonder, you know, she's 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 sort of, she's freestyling at that point. I wondered if maybe even the lyrics were recorded necessarily you know what i mean yeah, yeah, like yeah, i wonder yeah. if she's just she's yeah. just sort of letting it all go at the end of the song there so she, she might just be she might be improvising uh so who knows what the lyrics actually are but but in a, in a song where she's reliving and remembering the passion of of this one specific time she's also it's a song that sort of starts off a little bit slower mm-hmm. and then the passion in it builds yep. and and in the remembering of it she is sort of um in in i guess what is the the improv section of the fade out like it's it's yeah there's there's a joy and a uh um passion in 
the way she's singing the chorus and the way yeah. she's singing over the chorus. Totally. It's very cool. Yeah. I would disagree that it's the best fade out. I would okay. call it maybe the second best. Okay. All right. The best being um, the Brady kids singing Sunshine Day and Keep On mm. Dancing where the song fades and they're still dancing and then they just <laughs> <Okay>. bow. <Okay. laughs> yeah. That's the music is playing. All right. Point taken. Point taken. Yeah. Sure. Uh, sure. Michael, this is why you're the best. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Any other thoughts on this song? No, but I want to find a way to work a Godspell um, reference in. If uh, I don't think we did, I that. think you just did. I think you just did. It. <laughs> well, I just like to prepare ye the way it was, of the it Lord. Was... Um... <laughs> it was ham fisted, but it, but you got I, there. I was trying real hard for the last half of this to figure out how to work mm. in a Godspell. When he looked into her eyes, mm-hmm. did she see the look of love? It's another Dusty Springfield song. Oh, there we go. I was like, that's from Godspell? And she was, <laughs> she was reading the windmills of his mind. That's right. There we go. It's also... Mm-hmm. All right. You know what You know what I have to say about your silence? What have mm-hmm. I done to deserve this? Oh, no, let's okay. end this. Let's Sorry. end this now. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's talk about Expanded Universe. Expanded Universe. Billy Joe and Billy Ray. Buddies. Mm. Cousins, maybe? I feel like maybe cousins. Okay. Yeah. Oh, like oh, to Billy that. Joe? Yep. No, Billy Joe Armstrong of Green Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe that's that's when they kind of broke up because uh, Billy Joe had a bit of a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He died. Well, yeah, I know. Well, but there's, I mean, is that the same preacher? I'm saying they're different people. Oh, is his. But I'm saying it's the preacher. Is it the same preacher in town? Who saw. Is it Billy Joe? Who's Billy Joe? Is he the. Is he the. Billy Joe McAllister died. died. He jumped off the the Tallahassee Bridge. Tallahassee Bridge. Not Tallahassee. This is Florida. Tallahassee Bridge. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, is that the same preacher who tells. I don't what happened. think it is because he says that, or um, Bobby Gentry said, uh, that nice young preacher, Brother Taylor, dropped by today. Okay. So you're so saying he's too that. young to have a Billy Ray? I think so. Yeah. Okay. But, 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 but when is Billy, when is the Ode to Billy Joe happening? Because isn't it, doesn't it turn out that she's like, oh, by the way, my brother got married. So it had happened years in the past. Yeah. So maybe I mean, technically young... so did this. That's true. That's oh, true. I guess that's true. She is thinking I back mean, on it. We have to figure out the timing on, on both that's of them. <laughs> because O to Billy Joe was, I think, like 67, 68, 69, something like that. Okay, so it's around. So actually, yeah. So both of these are happening in the same time period, which is probably roughly 10 to 15 years before mm-hmm. this. So, But they definitely, um, they're definitely both in the, in the universe. They're, they're, they're hanging out together. Those families are hanging out together, at least. Yeah, I mean, oh, maybe, yeah, maybe, um, Brother Taylor works at the same church. That's right. That's oh I, yeah, and maybe the same I church like, together. I like saying and maybe works at the same church. <laughs> <laughs> My dad works at the same church as yours. As what? Well, they're preachers. Yeah, yeah. Brother Taylor is. Um, he's the receptionist there. <laughs> 
So Dusty sneaking out of the house at night. Uh-huh. Is this the kind of scandal they're talking about at the Harper Valley PTA? Oh, without 100%. a doubt. Without a doubt. 100%. What she's doing with yeah, the preacher yeah. boy? Come on. Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of talk. Oh going yeah. Around. Oh yeah. That's all I'm saying. And then maybe Billy Ray's like, "Hey, why don't you sneak out tonight? We're going to double date with my friends Jack and Diane." And she's like, "I don't." <laughs> Those American that, I'm kids. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it. That Jack He's a nice guy. He's dumb as a bear. <laughs> I just, I cannot <laughs> with him. Oh, man. But he's taking us all the way to States. Uh, all right. <laughs> They're going to sectionals. <laughs> <laughs> Assuming that it doesn't work out, maybe, maybe they get as far as the wedding day and he leaves her with just a band of gold. Oh. Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't I don't think I don't think Billy Ray's Billy Ray's in that hotel room that night. Let me tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Ray. Oh, he's getting it done. Billy Ray's getting it done. He's a virile young man. Don't worry about it. He's he's going to figure it out. Do you, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Do you think maybe uh what happened was this is going way back. Do you think what happened was uh he got a little bit older, he got drafted? And the problem was Billy. Don't she said to him, "Billy, don't be a hero." Oh, Jelly, Billy, don't be a hero. Yeah. Oh, oh man, that could be. That'd be depressing. That makes sense. I mean, assuming this takes place during the Civil War, yeah. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. It does. Uh-huh. Okay. All right, <laughs> oh yeah, no, it, it does. It totally does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna say maybe it ends when um, Billy Joe, or if if Dusty's parents are like, "No, you you can't see him anymore," and Billy Joe rides away on his uh, motorcycle. Mm-hmm. And she's like, look out, look out, look out, look out. And he's yeah. like, you know what? I'm I'm Billy Ray. Billy, J- which yeah. one is he? <laughs> it's Billy Ray. He's Billy, Billy Ray. Ray. <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt you, but yeah, it's Billy Ray. <laughs> he's yeah, one yeah. of the Billies. I don't know, but but that's but he's the opposite because his parents didn't like that guy because he was leader of the pack. This is the preacher's son. Oh, that's mm-hmm. true. This is this that's is right. the guy they want her to marry. That maybe she maybe later she's seeing the leader of the pack, and they're like, "Whatever happened to Billy Ray? Get back with Billy Such Ray! Such a we good like Billy boy! Ray. Such a Such nice a good boy. boy!" Well, only thing I'll say is after they break up, Billy Ray's a lonely boy. Okay, let's <laughs> leave it there. Uh, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about the history of this song with story behind the story. So here's a universe where KRS One follows up Cheryl Crow and somehow works. No one in the history of anyone should ever put Pantera after Derek and the Dominoes, but here we are. (laughs) My Weekly Mixtape is a podcast that takes the classic mixtape approach to building a modern playlist. I'm your host, Brian Colburn. Each week, my goal is to help bring the pride back to playlisting, tapping into that joyous feeling of success after waiting for hours just to record your favorite song off the radio or compiling a real-time compilation of your CDs, records, and cassettes in a personalized epic sequence. When you handed someone a mixtape, you were handing them your musical identity. Why should a playlist be treated any different? Listen now by searching My Weekly Mixtape at your favorite podcast provider or visiting myweeklymixtape.com. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. 
Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. All right, we're back. It's time for a story behind the story. How did this story come to be? But before we do that, real quick, we have another review Yay. on Apple Podcast. Five-star review. And this is actually from someone who has left us a review before. That's So fun. for everyone out there, everyone out there, uh, apparently you could do that. I wasn't even aware. But <laughs> if you've left a review before and you want to leave another one, Go right ahead, because yeah. it would make us very happy, and we're going to read it on the show. We will take all the five-star reviews we can get. Mm-hmm. So this is Bob from Chagrin Falls. And Bob, uh, the headline is, This podcast continues to amaze. Five stars. And he says, just listen, just listen to Tom's Diner, and it was a real treat to hear one of my favorite artists, Suzanne Vega, covered by my favorite podcast. Aww. I reviewed this podcast a year ago, and this group continues to amaze and entertain no matter the song choice. You may be tempted to listen to songs you know or like, but please listen to all the episodes so they can surprise you with their charm and wit. Rachel, Michael, and Dan are three stellar talents that I will continue to follow and look forward to hearing what comes next. One thing is certain, it will be amazing, exclamation point. Well, Bob. Aw. That is very nice. cannot thank you enough. Very, very nice. Bob Thank you chagrin. so much. Yeah, uh, I mean, oh boy, I can't take that much uh, that much compliments in a row. Somebody, uh, <laughs> somebody, say something mean to me real quick. I got to get back. I, I would, back but you zero. wouldn't understand it because you're so dumb. <laughs> oh, guys, real quick, that was hurtful. Let's tell each other what we really think of each other. <laughs> Airing of grievances right now. <laughs> okay, right. I love I love both you guys a lot. Oh, damn it! Anyway, right, moving right, on. I can't take it. I'm I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh so son of a preacher man, mm. Dusty Springfield. Mm. Uh a song that I love, but a song I don't know a lot about the backstory. Mm. So I am very excited for this. So Rachel, yeah, hit us. What's the story of the story song? Well, um, I'll tell you this. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot about sort of why the song was written. I, I didn't find a lot about that, um, nor did I find a lot about the songwriters. I feel bad, but I will start. Uh, but I did find a lot about Dusty Springfield because mm-hmm. she's amazing. And we say this all the time, but 
I will not do justice to the Dusty Springfield story. I just can't, but I did sure. my best. But I will that say this. That is the title of the world's worst biography. <laughs> it's my pamphlet. <laughs> I will I not do justice it. to the Dusty Springfield story. The Dusty Springfield story. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Anyway. <laughs> just, just set expectations from the minute it hits the publisher. That's right. That's right. Anyway. I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of this is about Springfield, Illinois. I got way off track at one point. <laughs> totally. And then, I, and then I do a whole, like, there's like two pages just about the Simpsons. That has yeah, nothing to so, do with anything. Really, nothing to do with it. So, yeah. So, so I apologize in advance. Mm-hmm. But I will start with this. Son of a Preacher Man was written by songwriting duo John Hurley and Ronnie Wilkins, obviously recorded by Dusty Springfield, released November 8th, 1968. Uh, like I said, I didn't really find that much about John Hurley and Ronnie Wilkins, except for the fact that they were a songwriting duo. But I will say that when they wrote this song, they were coming off a bit of a hit with a song called Love of the Common People, and mm. which has been covered by many people. I believe people like Johnny Cash, so on and so forth, but also including Paul Young in 1983. Paul Young of uh, this big song. I just had it, but you would know Paul Young. <laughs> you would know Paul Young. Is he every time you go away? There we go. Thank you, Michael. Yeah. Okay. Now, the thing to know about the song Love of the Common People is that it is not the song Common People by Pulp. Oh. So, Rachel. Yeah. You don't want to live like common people. Do whatever <laughs> common people, people do. do. Want to like common no. people. Okay. But I'll tell you this. What? When I found out it wasn't that song, I was mm-hmm. less excited because I, 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 no. if if the, if that had been Common People by Pulp and they just had covered this song, which is what I thought originally, I was like, get out. The Pulp song is a <laughs> cover of these guys. No, no, it's not. It's not. Sorry. Um, I do want to say I don't I'm sh- I, I would assume Michael doesn't know that song. Um, we will do it someday yeah. on the show. Uh, Michael, pack a lunch. Uh, it's <laughs> it's a very long song with a very long story. So it's go- it's going to be a um, long episode, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um. Go ahead. And I will say this: I mean, I, I, there's, I'm sure there's plenty about John Hurley and Ronnie Wilkins, but I just, I couldn't get into it, quite honestly. Um, they wrote. The- <laughs> <laughs> much, you have a very much like I can't even vibe right now. <laughs> I'm really hedging my bets on the comments we get, you know? Yeah. So anyway, what I did find out is that they wrote They had real storied careers, but (laughs) meh. There's so much to get through, you guys. So they wrote the song with Aretha Franklin in mind, which Mm -hmm. honestly, shouldn't everyone write songs with Aretha Franklin in mind? Right? I mean, I do. Come on. However, no. there is a there is a story basically that she passed on it because she found it disrespectful as she was the daughter of a preacher man. Yes, she was. She was. <laughs> nice. Lord knows she it. was. So, okay. Luckily, Jerry Wexler, uh who I believe we've spoken about before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was a partner at, at Atlantic where he was a producer for Aretha as well as Dusty Springfield, who had just transferred over to Atlantic Records. Um, and at the time, he was, he, along with Tom Dowd and R.F. Martin, 
um, were producing Springfield's first album for Atlantic, Dusty in Memphis. Um, That's a little bit of a classic. Well, it's funny. We'll get into it. But yeah, it's a bit of a classic now. Side note, Tom Dowd and R.F. Martin are famous producers in their own rights. And R.F. Martin's son made a documentary about his father called The Greatest Ears in Town, The R.F. Martin Story. And uh-huh. if you've heard, listened to our, uh, our podcast before, you know why I thought that was very exciting. Do you not know? Why, Michael, why are you looking I'm not at really a, a big listener. She yeah, loves to hear really the music. Oh, it's a line oh, from She Loves to Hear the Music. They said she's got the greatest ears in town. Oh. Yeah. Wow, you guys okay. were so less impressed than I thought you were going to be. <laughs> what a dud. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> it just took a minute to make the connection. Now that you've made the connection, <laughs> it's awesome. Okay, thank you. Son of a Preacher Man was released, like I said, November 8th, 1968, and it reached number 10 on Billboard charts in the U.S. and number 9 on the U.K. charts, and it hit number 1 in Singapore. So that's pretty good. That's pretty good. They love Preacher Man and their sons That's That's right. uh, Cashbox said of the song that uh, Springfield showed a new soul, and the song was brimful of the special Southern combo sound and a vocal strongly influenced by Aretha, which is interesting, yeah, yeah. makes sense. And though the song was well-regarded, uh, critically acclaimed, the album did not do well commercially, but we'll get back to the album in a minute. As Michael said, a bit of a, uh, a, a, bit of a classic, but not, not, a, not an immediate classic, let's say. You know what's interesting is yeah. normally when, when we talk about a, a song that, you know, top 10 is obviously pretty impressive but Mm -hmm. a song like this where you're like it didn't go to number one like number 10 seems completely legitimate for this song like the song is almost like i was surprised that it was actually released as a single i mean yeah because it doesn't it doesn't feel like a radio song it it just certainly of the time it 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 almost (laughs) almost feels like too good to be a single yeah like it seems like one of those songs that should be like this this fan favorite, this undiscovered album track that that they didn't release to the radio because it was it was too good, you know, like it just wasn't going to get commercial play. Yeah, and I think it's it's so funny because, and we'll get into this because of the timing of where it, where it appeared in Dusty Springfield's life, and there was a bit of a sense that it was it, it, it a step a step out of time, which is funny. Because it is such an amazing song, and it's almost a timeless song, but it at the time, it, Dusty Springfield herself felt a step out of time at that moment, and I think because the album wasn't big, they weren't pushing it like it. There just wasn't enough momentum behind it, so I think you're right. I think number ten seems right. Like yeah, it's a complicated, almost ahead of its time type of thing. Yeah, ahead of its time while being from a. What feeling like from a previous era, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and there's almost like... Because you're talking it's 68. Yeah. This is kind of a weird comparison, but there's almost like a show tune kind of quality to it, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Like where it's just, yeah, it's a story song, but it's, it's different from a story song, but it's still a story song. And it, 
I don't know. There's just something very unique about this song. It's melodic. It's there. There's an emotion to it. Um, beyond the story, it's just I don't know. It just doesn't seem like like it would be a chart hit. Well, and we'll get we'll get into it. And we'll have more to say about it later. But about sort of Dusty Springfield's chart success and where where this lands in it. Um, so after seeing the success of the song, because it did have critical success. It was quickly recorded by a Franklin, just not Aretha. It was recorded by Aretha's <laughs> older sister, Irma, for her 1969 album, Soul Sister. It was also recorded by a number of other people, but yeah. So, so Irma, who also would have been the daughter of a preacher man. Yes, was like, that's fine. Irma's like, Irma's like I will swallow my pride. You just tell me. You point me towards a microphone. Irma's like, I've got that. And to top it all <laughs> off, I'm going to name this album Soul Sister just to sort of dig it into yeah. Aretha's side. So finally, I'm guessing Aretha couldn't take it anymore because she recorded so, uh, Irma, it. She Irma's released like, it. I'm sorry, but Irma's like a real Gallagher, too. Yeah. I don't want to be that guy. but <laughs> She's really. But in this case. She's really making her name on the fact that she's yeah. Aretha's sister. But in this case, I think Aretha was finally like, well, I can't take this anymore. And she recorded it and she released it in 1970 on her This Girl's mm. in Love With You album, which is a great album. You know, honestly, so this happened off mic, but I was under the impression mm. that this was Aretha Franklin's song that, that Dusty Springfield had covered. Mm-hmm. And it's not. I it's think not. because I think I must have known that there was an Aretha Franklin version and it just sounds so much like an Aretha Franklin song that well, I think I just assumed that it must have been the other way around. And it's not it's not crazy for you to think that considering the songwriters had her in mind when they Right, wrote that's it. what I'm saying. It, so, it just sounds yeah. like it, Yeah, it sounds like an Aretha Franklin song, so I was just like, "Oh, she must have covered it." But yeah. I mean, and, technically it's not. And Dan, as you said before, this is one of those songs that everyone has covered. So here's mm. just a small list of the people who have covered this song. This is a tiny list. Ike and Tina, right? Turner? No, Ike and Tina <laughs> Lipstein, my neighbors. <laughs> they just play around on the keyboard. <laughs> They love it. They love it. Come sing Son of a Preacher Man. Ike's going to play the piano. (laughs) I swim with them at the JCC. So So Nancy Sinatra, Mavis Staples, Bobby Gentry, which I'm assuming Bobby Gentry um, heard the song and then thought, I wrote, I I sang this song? And then to which they said, no, Bobby, that's not you, Bobby. That's Dusty. That's Dusty. No. And they, she said, all right, well, I'll, I'll record it. I'll just do it anyway. Mm. Okay, this is a big one. Yeah. Liza on the album and from the concert. Liza Minnelli? <laughs> no. No. I can see daughter, you know from Liza. <laughs> Liza. It's <laughs> great. She tap dances it's while great. they play. It's great. <laughs> so cute. Oh, my God. No, Liza with a Z, not Lisa with an S, because Lisa with an S goes snuts. But mm-hmm. Liza recorded this on Liza with a Z. Here's the problem with that. At one point, she, she calls them cousins. She says, that's when cousin Jimmy would take me walking. And that's when I turned off the song. Yeah, I, like I was that. like, no, 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 Liza. No, Liza. No, 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 no. No, thank no. you. Um, it was Ta- 1972. Things were weird. I know. Tanya Tucker recorded it. Mm-hmm. And there is a weird 
dark wave version by a band called Collide from 1998, which you should listen to just for, I guess, the nightmares that it will bring. (laughs) It is good for them. It's bizarre. It's real 1998, like bizarre. Just just listen to it and enjoy yourself. It's also been used, the song has also been used in TV shows, movies, and commercials. Obviously, one of the biggest uses of the song was in 1994's Pulp Fiction. The soundtrack of that movie reintroduced a whole new generation to a a number of songs. It was a huge soundtrack reintroduced to so many songs, including Son of a Preacher Man. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of, I was wondering if, like, when did this, if if it wasn't a huge commercial success, Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess number 10 is pretty good, but... Like, when did it become a classic? Because I had not heard this song ever until the Pulp Fiction soundtrack. I mean, that... And well, I think it's then the when album it was on the Pulp classic. Fiction. Right, but when did it become a classic, is what I'm asking. Like, when was it reclaimed? Like, so was it... it... I mean, in the... I mean, it feels like... I mean, you can't denote exactly when the album became a classic. No, I want you to denote but, exactly when the album. <laughs> but I would say it was so and we'll get into this, so I don't want to get too far ahead. But right. Y- you know, I would say give it when it had time to rest and people had time to understand and catch up to it, like by like the late 70s, I would say people were looking back and being like, I don't know what we were thinking cuz this album is killer. Um but I mean, I, the I only thing I was the only thing I was gonna say was, I mean, when when like when the Pulp Fiction came back and I heard it, and the first time I heard this song, I was just like, I can't believe I've ever heard this song before. Right. This song is so good. Like, why is this not played on the radio every day? Yeah. Like this song is incredible, and I it just like I'd never heard it. So it's one of those weird like, and, you know. But I do think that that song that that the use of the song in that movie was a resurgence of the song mm-hmm. and made it stay what it was from there on out. Right. I don't yeah, think, yeah. I don't really think it was a, um, a staple of radio and stuff before that. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's in the same it's way. It's like what the, it's what the Sopranos did for don't stop believing. Yeah. Yes. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Or what the last of us just did for <laughs> Linda Ronstadt. Oh yeah. What song is that? Long, long time. Long, long time. Yeah, is, Come on. This is going to date to when we recorded oh, this. Oh, man, but I can't help it. We got to talk about this, and I, I, you can't. I mean, come on. But I mean, if Amazing you are if you are, if you are, are an older ar- artist, right? Yeah. You got to be on the phone to Netflix, right? Like, right now. Like, please, please use me. I know The Last of Us is oh, HBO, yeah, yeah, but yeah. whatever. Like, you please put me in a, put me in a streaming show. It like, that's the only in, way um, to, to get a number one. Yeah. Stranger Things. Oh yeah, with, with that's Kate Bush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but, what I'm talking that's, about. Yeah, exactly right. But that's what Dan is saying is is this is the time to get these songs because people are realizing that you know music was amazing in the 70s right. and 80s. But yeah, I I don't want to get too off track because we got but Dan, plenty of ways okay. to go. To your point, like what Pulp Fiction did for Son of a Preacher Man, um, mm. you know, a song that was regarded as as a classic by that point 
sort of gave it a, a made people listen to it with fresh ears. And I guess that's true. I guess you're right that what I was when Pulp Fiction came out, the kids today, like, because obviously I knew running up that hill. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, so I was like, oh, yeah, that's like Hibbush song. But then the kids today were like i've never heard this song before and it's amazing right. so it is like basically almost a one-to-one analog of what happened totally. but i think beyond introducing a song to a new audience i think it's it's making people who know the song and love the song and acknowledge it as a classic like running up that hill like long long time right uh like those are both songs that are acknowledged as classics and having it in a contemporary show, a song that's 40, 50 years old, makes, one, introduces it to a new audience, two, makes its current audience re-listen to it and re-appreciate it. Because you're seeing it and in I a think, new context, yeah. Yeah, and and be like, oh yeah, that song that that I hear every day, it's pretty great. Yeah. And makes you think about it a little bit more. And I think Pulp Fiction did that for... Son of a Preacher Man, and every song every, on that soundtrack. And I will say this about Pulp Fiction. I think that, you know, there were there were movies that used old songs before that, but Pulp Fiction really just changed the game when it came to that. Their use and the way that, th- his use and the way that Pulp Fiction um, sort of, just like Michael said, made people look at these older songs through new eyes was... Uh, beyond compare and just and then it just kept on happening but i don't think you really saw it in in the way you see it now or the way you see it saw it in pulp fiction before that point you know what i mean in terms of soundtracks in terms of soundtracks in that way maybe the big chill big chill american graffiti but those but here's the thing about that so but here's the difference i will say about that but the big chill is about people who were of that generation Looking and back. looking back, an American graffiti took place in that time period. Pulp Fiction mm-hmm. were individuals who weren't really looking back at that music. It was being used as atmospheric in different contexts. Yeah, they were in using different ways the music to, to tell, tell the, story. the story. They were using it to tell the story in a way that those other the other songs weren't. One. I do want to say you were talking about the covers, Rachel. Um... The Tanya Tucker version, I don't know if you... Did you listen to that version? I listened to part of that, yeah. So, for those who don't know, uh, it's completely different lyrics. It's about <laughs> Chrissy McNichol and Dennis Quaid. Yeah, no. And uh, uh, them trying to become country singers. Yeah, she had... A, she just kept on going to that well. It was weird. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, the song has been placed on a number of best of lists. In 1987, it was one of Rolling Stone's best songs of the past 25 years. In 1987. And then in 2004, it was on their list of the best 500 songs of all time. It went somewhere in the the 200s. But people, you know, the song is loved, became beloved, and it was um, 
it was well regarded in the in the beginning, uh, like right when it was right when it started, and it just gathered popularity. Okay, let's talk Dusty and Dusty in Memphis. Let's do it. Mary Isabel Catherine Bernadette O'Brien was born April 16th, 1939 in London, England. What? If you don't know that she is British because you're just hearing Son of a Preacher Man on the Pulp Fiction soundtrack, this will floor you. I always know she's English, she's British, and I consistently forget. I feel like I'm surprised. I'm like a goldfish for Dusty Springfield being British. I'm like, I was just reacting actually to Mary Isabel Catherine (laughs) Bernadette O'Brien. Yeah. Not being born uh, (laughs) inside of a four leaf clover. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. Somewhere in Ireland. Yeah. So she grew up in a middle class area of London with her family and her penchant for playing in the streets and being a tomboy is where she got the name dusty she play in the streets oh. like play i just was gonna throw an overhand pass because she would play football right. but now i'm realizing that she they probably and that meant soccer right. so she was <laughs> kicking she wasn't throwing so? she uh she dusty grew up in a musical family <laughs> no that's how that's how she played soccer and they were like you're just doing it wrong yeah she's like okay but the the u.s is gonna love me for it she grew up in a musical family, and at age 12, she recorded herself performing the Irving Berlin song When the Midnight Choo Choo Leaves for Alabama at a record shop in Ealing, where is, which is where she lived. I bet I'm not saying that right. Uh, and in 19- I think you are. Thank you. And in 1958, she responded to an ad in The Stage to join a sister act called the Lana Sisters, where none of them were sisters. What? But that's where she performed on TV and she would perform at live shows such as uh, like kind of like USO shows. Wow. Next, you're going to tell me the Ramones are in real This is crazy. <laughs> I would never tell you that, Dan. Michael, I need to tell you something for, in the other for, room. Forever leave me in the dark. I don't want to know. In, in, so they performed together. Next, you're going to tell me that Simon and Garfunkel were in eighth cousins. <laughs> um, in 19- They were not. Thank you. In you don't know. In 1960, she she left the group, and along with her brother Dion, uh, who took the stage name Tom Springfield. Which, if your name's Dion, you change your name to your stage name to Tom. Yeah, why? Well, is it because there, there already was a Dion? There probably was Dion. Oh, I guess. Um, in 19. 19- oh yeah, you're right. So they performed. But I mean, he could have been Dion Springfield. It's not like Elvis Costello had to change his name. That's true. I mean. A lot of people have the same first name, Dion. So, anyway, <laughs> so Dion Sanders. Um, they perf- uh, they both joined and performed uh, in the moderately successful country music band, The Springfields, which obviously is where she reinvented herself as Dusty Springfield. That was all well and good. They performed around. They had some minor hits, whatever. But in 1963, she left The Springfields, went solo, and released her first single, I only want to be with you. The song was a big hit in the UK 
And it also debuted in the Billboard Hot 100s right after I Want to Hold Your Hand and in the same week as She Loves You by the Backstreet Boys. The Beatles. The Beatles. (laughs) The Beatles. uh, Okay. Which landed her right at the forefront of the British invasion. That Mm. single hit number 12 on Billboard. Nice. Um, So also, I Only Want to Be With You, a a great song. Uh, That's just a great song. So who did that in the 80s? Who covered it? I, I want to say Kylie Minogue, but it's I don't think it's Kylie Minogue. She did the locomotion. Oh, I found it. It was uh, Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> I only want to be with you. <laughs> they, went a, they went a different way with yeah, it. Yeah, that's but, right. But it was still good, though. Her debut album, A Girl Called Dusty, was released in, 19, in the UK, 1964, and was mostly covers, and her biggest hits from that era um, were Burt Bacharach's songs, Burt Bacharach slash Hal David songs, Wishing and hoping, and I just don't mm. know what to do with myself. Which I feel Those are that's both great songs. Both great songs. First of all, I always I just don't know what to do with myself. I always thought it was just a white stripe song. I forgot that. Oh, is that the is that the white stripe song? I think so. Yeah. Oh, I think a number of okay. people have have covered that song. But I wishing and hoping. I mean, I didn't know it was a cover. Wishing and hoping, a great song, and I just don't know what to do with myself. They're just awesome songs, and. But very different than Son of a Preacher Man. Mm-hmm. So she continued to find success in the UK charts. And in early 1965, she participated in the Italian Song Festival, where she reached the semifinals, but it, she didn't get any further. But while she was there, she heard, get ready, because I'm going to yeah. butcher some Italian. I, I apologize to my ancestors. Io ce non, they do not forgive you. Io ce non vivo senza te. By mm. Pino Donaggio. This song is the original Italian version of the song You Don't Have to Say You Love Me, which was rewritten in oh. English and with new lyrics written by her future manager, v- Vicky Wickham. She released this version as a single in March 1966, and it reached number one in the UK and number four in the US. And it reached number US, 21 for the year. That song is so good. The great thing about You Don't Have to Say You Love Me is she referred to it as good old schmaltz. (laughs) But this good old schmaltz led to a Grammy nomination for Best Contemporary Solo Vocal Performance, Male or Female. Unfortunately, she lost it to some guy named Paul McCartney for Eleanor Rigby. So Mm. that's the double-edged sword of being part of the British invasion. (laughs) Like, wow, we're really going to take the U.S. by storm. I'm never going to get past these guys. <laughs> Who are these four guys in the suits? What am I supposed to do with these bowl cut dudes? <laughs> um, so she continued having success, but she also um, later on performed backing vocals for other artists under the name Gladys Thong, which I thought was what? great. Yeah, that's right. For uh-huh. people like Elton John. And this was, this was later on in her career, but I believe she started around this time sort of just helping out. So as you can obviously assume, she had a great love of Motown and she worked to spread the sound through the UK 
and even had a TV special called The Sound of Motown. In 67, 68, though she had some success in the UK, her career started to stall in the US. So she was still kind of going strong in the UK, but her international appeal kind of started to, to die down. Think about it, 67, 68, the, the music tastes are beginning to change. It's, gonna, it's starting to get heavier in the US, it's starting to get into like flower power. Even the Beatles are changing their, you know, their sound. Do you know what I mean? Um, so Dylan's going to go electric. Dylan's going to go electric. Everybody's going to boo him, but still go to his concerts. Um, and so, uh, so, so she started to go down a bit to stall in the U.S. But a high point was the hit "The Look of Love" from Casino Royale. So she, I, I can I say I did that song's amazing. I didn't realize she had so many Burt Bacharach hits. Yeah, I didn't realize. I think Burt Bacharach. I think Dion, Dion Warwick Sanders Springfield. That's right. Well, I I think one, she had a lot of Burt Bacharach, Hell David hits, yeah. but Burt Bacharach and Hell David also owned the sixties. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, like every almost every pop song that would yeah. later become like a pop standard between the sixty from like nineteen sixty to nineteen. 19- 86 like they wrote every song you're getting yeah you're getting a Burt Bacharach in there yeah so though her albums released in the UK were critically acclaimed at the time she was seen as not staying up at the times and uh very few of her albums did anything in the states or had any commercial success so in 1968 she decided she needed a change and that's when she signed with Atlantic Records and she began recording an album in Memphis at American Sound Studio the album Recording process was apparently an arduous process for the producers, um, apparently due to Dusty's perfectionism, even to the point where she, it turns out they recorded, had these incredible recording sessions in Memphis, but she was such a perfectionist that she re-recorded her vocals later in New York. Um, well, I mean, to be fair, if you listen to the Dusty and Memphis album, um, the perfection is kind of there. Right. But I think what they were saying is I, I, I was reading some things about uh, with with like that. I think Wexler was saying just that. Yes, it's an incredible album. I think part of it is because it was a perfectionist thing. Maybe the timing uh, was <clears throat> sort of worked against her. But also I think what he was saying is there there was this amazing work being done in memphis but Mm -hmm. because she's a perfectionist she re-recorded it and so that i think what he was saying is that sort of more visceral more immediate sound wasn't there anymore it was a more produced sound than what it could have been you know it sort of veered a bit away from, I think, what the producers were thinking that the album would be. And this all stems from the fact that she, prior to this, did a lot of her own producing, did some songwriting herself. Um, so she wasn't used to having so many producers. Um, you know, so, but it worked out fine in the end. So in November 1968, this is a side note, during the Memphis sessions, Springfield suggested to Wexler that he should sign a newly formed band in the UK. Named Led Zeppelin. Because, they huh? <laughs> I have never heard of them. So if anybody knows anything about these Led Zeppelin people, uh, let me know. But sh- I'll say this. I'll say this. 
Doesn't sound like doesn't sound like they're gonna fly. Yeah. <laughs> to me. Am I right? <laughs> gonna, yeah. Led Zeppelin. So no, she right. She had known John. <laughs> she she had. <laughs> and I just dropped dead. <laughs> she had known John Paul. Jo- and rightfully she so. She had known John Paul Jones mm-hmm. from. Uh, he had done session work on her earlier albums. He's the bass guitarist for Led Zeppelin. Wexler believed in what Dusty was selling, and so without having ever seen them, and partly on her advice. He signed them to the biggest contract for a new band with Atlantic up to then. Yeah. I think it worked out. So the album is released. Dusty and Memphis received excellent reviews on its initial release, both in the UK and the US. Um, Rolling Stone stating, most of the songs have a great deal of depth while presenting extremely direct and simple statements about love. Dusty sings around her material, creating music that's evocative rather than overwhelming. Dusty is not searching. She just shows up and she and we are better for it. So critical success, great reviews. However, it did not lead to a resurgence in the charts or commercial success at the time, even with the success of Son of a Preacher Man and a Grammy nomination for Best Contemporary Vocal Performance. I guess you guys just aren't ready for it. That's what I think. So... During... But you know what? Your kids are going to love it. That's true. That's right. During September and October in 69, Springfield hosted her third and final BBC variety series. She did a couple of them, decidedly dusty, and uh, but all eight episodes were later wiped from the BBC archives. Oh, BBC. So, they keep on doing Come that. Come on. Driving us crazy, people. So... Kind of there she stalled until 87. I think she did a couple of other things, but but she didn't really hit any of the peaks that she had in the in the early 60s, early and mid 60s. However, in 1987, she did a collaboration with the Pet Shop Boys on What Have I Done to Deserve This? And first of all, what an amazing collaboration. Second of all, great song. It hit number two in the UK and the US. You'll be happy to know, Michael or Daniel, (laughs) whoever said that US was behind the times. Um, And this led to more collaborations, including Something in Your Eyes, which he did with Richard Carpenter, which hit number 12 on the American, on the adult contemporary. And as long as we've got each other with BJ Thomas known as the theme song for Growing Pains, mm. which they released as a single, and it hit number seven on the adult contemporary wow. charts. I didn't know that was now, released as a single. Now, I don't think that she... So I think their version was on the fourth season mm-hmm. of Growing Pains. Yeah. They, BJ Thomas and someone else, I forget who, maybe one of you guys know, um, recorded the theme song, but it was never released as a single because who releases theme songs and singles but they 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 re-recorded it in in the fourth season and released it 
Did you guys know that? Do you know where Grown Maids is supposed to take place? Long Island. On Long yeah, Island. Yeah. I never knew that though. I watched it all those years. Yeah. It Are was you very nondescript Long Island. I'm yeah, Robin Hood say. Lane. He never. They never went to Seven Eleven. I was gonna say that. Not a single time <laughs> did they go into Seven Eleven. Yeah, but I think they went into the city every once in a while. Sure, but um, yeah, but you could see the Hollywood sign in the background. <laughs> anyway. So these collaborations led to even more. Where are those palm trees? On I was going to say, yeah, there's not a lot of palm trees in Massapequa or where they're supposed to be. So these songs led to more collaboration with the Pet Shop Boys, who produced a new compilation, The Silver Collection, in 1988 uh, for Dusty Springfield, which had uh, two hits, Nothing Has Been Proved and In Private. And they also uh, produced most of her 1990 album, Reputation. Unfortunately, Dusty Springfield fell ill in the mid-90s with breast cancer, and though she had a short remission period, it returned in 96, and she passed in 1996, uh, sorry, 1999, a month before her 60th birthday. Before her death in 1999, she was awarded the OBE by the Queen, because remember, she's British. And just two weeks after her death, she was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Now, weirdly, she wasn't inducted into the UK Music Hall of Fame until 2006, to which I say, what are you doing, UK? What are you kidding me? She's iconic in the culture as a whole and also in the LGBTQ plus community. Her larger than lifestyle lended itself to camp and she has become a gay and drag icon. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the time since her death, Dusty in Memphis has been hailed as one of the best albums ever recorded, and she was listed as number 35 in Rolling Stone's 100 Greatest Singers of All Time. So I haven't even gone into her personal life, which is mm-hmm. full of twists and turns and is fascinating, um, but she was clearly ahead of her time. Uh, both in her career and her life, and she was ti- she was she's timeless. Uh, her shift from British invasion pop princess to sultry songstress was strong, and her music does and will stand the test of time. Like warm honey dripping, that's how I would describe her voice. Just, I mean, it's it's incredible. just, it's just perfect. Like when she starts the first couple of notes of the song, you're just like, oh, this must be what heaven is like. Because it's where yeah. everything is perfect. Everything is exactly the way it should be at all times. And that's what this song is. Yeah. It's the best. Uh, this, I you, mean, I can't overstate how good this song is and how you know, perfect. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's funny because, I mean, yes, she had a, res- a resurgence, so to speak, with the, with the collaborations. But when you look back at it and, and, like you realize what were they doing when they when Dusty and Memphis wasn't like immediately flying off the you know flying off the racks and like playing nonstop and like but that's why i think she was she was ahead of her time and there was something about it that the world just had to sort of catch up to Dusty and realize oh that's that's right that's what this is this is one of the most iconic voices of of all time and this is one of the most incredible albums that have ever been produced yeah it just took us time to realize that but luckily we have and i think it's just gonna stay because it's incredible 
Yeah, and I think one of the the great things about her is um in addition to the voice, in addition to like as much as she was a perfectionist, I think she also didn't take it too seriously. So there's something very cool about her as well. Oh yeah. Like like there is there's a level of that perfection or perfectionism in 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 her work and in her recording. But she could also look at an amazing song like You Don't Have to Say You Love Me and call it Good Old Schmaltz, you know? So I think right. I think she did have, as much as she cared about the work, I think there was like a distance from it where it, like she didn't take it overly seriously. She was a working singer yeah, um, and just super cool. Yeah. Like I said, she did backing vocals for people like Elton John and Kiki D, you know, uh, or sorry, Gladys Thong did. But, she, but yeah, I mean, I think that's the amazing... Just picture Dusty Springfield walking around like a big hat and sunglasses like, no, sorry, I'm, I'm Gladys today. <laughs> today I'm Gladys. Yeah, she's just, I mean, she's, she's incredible. And uh, like I said, we could do another two hours on Dusty Springfield, but no. we're going to wrap it up. All right, let's do it. All right, let's leave it there. Uh, we're going to come back in a moment and we're going to talk about the lesson we learned from this song with... Lessons learned. Check out the songs of the Story Song Podcast. Find the Story Song Podcast, the official playlist, and the Story Song Podcast, the official classic playlist on Spotify to stream all the great songs we review on the show. I forgot to mention this in the previous section, but before we do our lessons, um, we were talking about, she loves to hear the music. We were talking about Dusty Springfield. Um, if you want to hear an incredible Dusty Springfield performance, um, her, it's a live recording, but her recording of Peter Allen's Quiet Please, There's a Lady on Stage will break your heart. It's amazing. Good recommendation, Michael. That's a song that we talked about when we were doing the She Loves to Hear the Music yeah. episode. So I thought I'd bring it all together. Very good. All right. All right. Rachel, what did you learn from this song? Well, I learned two things. Oh, okay. The first, the first thing I learned was that um, if you're a henchman, you know, <laughs> maybe look at the public market for healthcare and stuff because you don't have to be a henchman just for benefits. Mm-hmm. It's real tough. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that's just about henchmening. The thing that I learned about the song... Yeah, the job market for henchmen is... Is, is tough. Pretty, ...pretty big right now. The, the, the thing that I learned about the song is... If you are in a town that has a preacher's son or a preacher's sons, mm-hmm. you're going to want to take down that swing set because mm. nothing good is going to happen on that swing set. Yeah, well, definitely not on the slide. Not Certainly. on the slide. <laughs> At least remove the slide is yeah, what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. You're going to get, let's just, let's just say you're going to get a couple of like, you know, uh, friction burns one way or the other on that slide. So let's. <laughs> That's right. Let's That's be right. careful just out there, take it folks. Down. Um, yeah. I will I say this. For you. You're, 16, you're 16 and 17 year olds. They don't need a swing set. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um. Here's what I'll say. If you are a cat who uh, is <laughs> prone to getting caught in trees, uh, try to have your owner be a preacher. 
because uh, the preacher's son is the only one who can reach you. So he will uh, <laughs> he'll get you down. <laughs> he'll get that's you down right. out of that tree. Well, um, Billy Ray, we got another stuck calico. <laughs> that's all he's doing is just going house to house. You guys got a cat a tree? No, I'll get it out. Don't worry. I'm, Don't worry. I'm the son of a preacher, man. That's what I'm here for. That's right. Billy Ray is going to go get that cat out of that tree. Yeah. Now, who's got mashed potatoes for him? <laughs> <laughs> this is a song about a 12 foot yes. man <laughs> uh, Michael what'd you learn I learned that not that it's okay to steal kisses on the slide mm -hmm. but in a small town people are willing to look the other way mm. if you steal kisses on the slide um, but there will be a huge scandal if you steal kisses on a tilt a whirl yeah, no, you can't do that. oh so true so true so that's true. Keep it on the slide, is what I'm well, saying. Well, the problem right. is because you don't want to move your head on a tilt a whirl. You're going to get sick that way. Oh, so sick. Yeah. 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 So we don't need any barfing on the tilt a whirl just because you two idiots can't wait to, <laughs> to do your kissing somewhere else. <laughs> the slide's right there. The slide's right there. It's right it's there. It's right there. Just wait till the tilt a whirl's done. It's at a fair, so it's it's comically large, and there's a bunch of like waves oh, in of it. Course. But, you know. Yeah, yeah. And you, and you wear a uh, burlap sack. As you go down for some reason, <laughs> <laughs> and we all we all act like that's a ride at the fair. Uh, yeah, that's, so fun. That's, a, that's all a fiction we tell each other that this is a ride <laughs> at a fair. It's just a giant slide. You want to go on a ride? You mean gravity? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wait online for yeah, twenty five sure, minutes for this. Uh, hey guys. This has been You're going from point A to point B. All this right. has been the Story Song Podcast. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. If you could follow us on the socials like Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, uh, that would be great. And if you could leave us a five star reviews like Bob did on Apple Podcasts, wherever you're your podcast, we would certainly appreciate it and we'll read it on the show. We'll be back next episode with another great story song. I'm Dan McInerney. I'm Rachel Oaks. And I'm Michael Gazelle. We will talk to you guys then. Bye. 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 Our theme music was written and performed by Jason Flowers. Find him on Twitter at Jason Flowers with a Z. Some of our bumper music was provided by Purple Planet Music. Our logo was designed by Dan Geva. Be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at story underscore song, and on Instagram at story song podcast. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. The Story Song Podcast is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Go to pantheonpodcasts.com. Thanks for listening. It's the Story Song So now that we've gotten that, do you know? Do you know what that's called when you hear uh, a wrong lyric? Creativity. Uh huh. Uh no. A lady, a lady Mondegreen. Uh, why? Tell us. Because this is even like before there, it was like an old Irish poem where she where they talked about taking the soldier and they laid him on the green, <laughs> and many people thought <laughs> they took him and Lady Mondegreen. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, anyway, man. I'm a real so Lady Mondegreen then. It's called, yeah. <laughs> it's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.